you glory Adonai. We celebrate your faithfulness. We celebrate your grace that is released for our blessing and favor today. Speak to us in a way we are going to understand. Interpret your word in our hearts. And let us leave this place transformed, renewed, and blessed. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning for the next couple of minutes on the topic, Enforcing Brotherly Love. Enforcing Brotherly Love. I just want to explain that when I, when I say brotherly, I'm not trying to be gender inclined in the sense of talking about brothers. Brotherly love in the Bible is synonymous to Christian love. So anytime I use the word brothers in this sermon, don't think I'm talking about men. I'm talking about brothers as in terms of brothers and sisters in the church. Now, brotherly love is so important. And I remember that when my mother died, I just gave my life to Christ shortly and my mother died. And I was in the church in a small assembly. And when I came back from the village, I was still mourning. I was devastated. And I was expecting love from the church because the church was the only family I had then. I had given my life to Christ. I was not part of uh, the societies I used to belong to, like all these groups I used to hang out with, all those rascals and boys I used to hang out with. Now all my friends were in the church. And that Sunday, I remember, the elder called me in the church and said, we have a brother who lost his mother and is back in the village. And they said, what do we say to him? They said, accept our condolence. As I say in Cameroon, Asia, oh, God bless you. And that was it. And I left the church. Nobody came to me after service to say, brother, how was the funeral? How did it go? I felt so lonely. I felt like I, wasn't, I was not part of the church. Then what was even more painful was that in that same season, there were people in the church who lost their relatives and the church contributed for them and the church went to their house and visited them. So then I started asking myself, is it, is it because I don't work or because I'm a student that this church decided to treat me the way they treated me? And I kept that in my mind because I was expecting that if there is one group of people I was expecting love from, not even money, should be in my church. Hallelujah. So brotherly love is so important. But when I became a pastor, there was a time that I had, I had this issue with my knee, my toenail. That every time I had this fungi, that my toenail would, my knee would grow inside my flesh. So then I would have to cut off the knee in order for it to, to be able to wear my shoe. Because if I don't cut it off, when I wear the shoe, it's that the knee is in my flesh. It's very painful. So one time I actually had a surgery to cut the knee. I went to the hospital, they did a surgery. They had to split my toe open to remove the nail that was in my flesh. So when the elder who was giving an announcement in church was announcing why the pastor was not in church, he told the church that the pastor had a surgery. And he, he did not go to details about what the surgery was. So the church did not know exactly whether it was an appendix or it was a major surgery or a minor surgery. They just knew that the pastor had a surgery. And lo and behold, by evening time after church service, the number of flasks of food that were coming to the house, the number of yogurt, because some people thought that now that he has surgery, he cannot eat for the next three days. I had yogurt. I, I mean, all the good things you can ever think about were coming to the house. For like one week, 
My mom did not have to cook because flags of food was coming from the church to the house. But besides all these things, it reminded me that there is love in the church. That reminded me how much these people actually love me. Because it was not, it was not by compulsion. There was no announcement from anybody in the church to go visit the pastor. The moment they heard that something like that happened, there was a response. Hallelujah. So we are here today, and the expectation of this sermon is that we have such a tie and such a bond between us that cannot be broken. Amen. Our goal is to build a church that makes us feel like family. Hallelujah. Not just people that come and sit here on Sunday, and when we say amen, and we all leave. We want to feel like family. My experience in the United States and the churches I've been to for this past number of years has been not good because when I think about brothers and sisters, I think about brothers and sisters as the Bible meant it to be. You see a brother in church, you guys hug each other, you say, God bless you, you look awesome. And you see the same brother at Walmart, is like a different person. And you say, hi, is that, have we met before? Do I know you somewhere? Is that our brothers and sisters only end up in this building. But our goal is to build such a church that even when we leave this building, we remain brothers and sisters. In the real term of being brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Now may I just say that brotherly love is not taking advantage of people. Because there are people who are careless and expect sympathy from people. For example, you go to the dealership and borrow a car for 60000 that you cannot afford. And the dealership is running after you to repossess your car. And then you call the pastor to help. No, they're going to repossess it because I didn't ask you to go borrow a car for 60000 So brotherly love is not acting careless and expecting people to be sympathetic with you. Brotherly love is not coming to people and always trying to borrow money. There was, there was a brother in the Bible school who borrowed money from everybody. I mean, I can think of. The last time this brother borrowed money from me, it was after we left the Bible school. One day he was in town and he called me. He said, what are you? I said, I'm in, I'm in this place. He met me. They said, I have a serious problem. I was traveling to this town and I came to Douala and I'm short of money. I need money and I'll send it back to you. As a matter of fact, he was there with his wedding suit, the suit that he wore the day he was getting married. He said, man of God, to prove to you that I'm coming, hold this suit. And when I bring back the money I took from you, I'll take the suit. It was like 10000 10, which is like $20. Till today, I've not seen the brother. I have to give the suit to somebody. Till today, I have not seen the brother. So brotherly love is not like, bro, can I have $200? Bro, can I have, that's not brotherly love. Not taking advantage of people. Is somebody hearing me? That's not brotherly love. Brotherly love is not sharing your pain and keeping your celebration. The only time we, we expect to be a brother or sister to you is when you have a pain. But the day you have a celebration going on in your family, nobody hears from the church. But the day somebody dies, that's the day you call, oh, bro, did you hear? I just lost somebody. But the day a celebration is going on in your house, we don't hear about it. That is not brotherly love. So I just want to say all these things before we continue. Brotherly love is not maybe a, you a single brother or you a single sister calling a single brother at midnight to say, I'm just checking up on you. No, that's not brotherly. You have a, you have a cross or something. Come see the pastor to talk about that. Maybe you can fix it for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. That is not brotherly love. 
So when we talk about brotherly love in this context, like I said, you have to be very wise. I was talking to a sister back in Cameroon. Who are this brother who was always helping, helping her? The sister had a project that cost a lot of money. And every time she had to pay money towards that project, the brother said, don't worry, I'll take care of it. And I had to call the sister to the side and say, are you sure that this money this brother is paying for you is for nothing? And the sister was like, no, that brother just loved me, just a kind brother. God just sent that brother into my life. He's just so nice. I said, be careful. The brother kept paying, kept paying. And after a period of time that the brother had paid enough to think that he was not qualified for what he was thinking, he went and asked the sister, well, I've been feeling this kind of way about you. And the sister was like, no, don't even think about that. We are just brothers and sisters. And then the brother went around saying that he had advanced the diary for this sister to marry the sister, and the sister now refused to marry him. And what do you think? Who in their right sense is like, you are in church, and a brother up to pay your house for six months, say, this is just brotherly love. A brother that is working for $12 an hour, up to pay your house for six months, you say, this is just brotherly love. You must ask questions like, bro, do you mean, is something attached to this rent? Or is just rent? Hallelujah. So you must be wise when it comes to brotherly love. Amen. The Bible says in verse 29 that we love because God loves us first. In every relationship, whether it's marriage or whatever relationship you can think about, there is always somebody who loves first. And as I say that in my relationship, I love my wife first. You can, you can, she can agree with that. <laughs> Amen. There is always somebody who loves first. And then somebody responds. I don't know what, who loves first in your own marriages. There is always somebody who loves, whether it's your husband or you love the husband first. And in most cases, when women, when women love first, they don't say nothing because a man shall leave his father's house and cleave to a wife and the two shall become one. He that findeth a wife, women don't find husbands. So even if they love you first, they can't say it. They may like you when they see you, they turn their face and act like they are not interested. And even when a man approaches them, they act like, let me think about it. And they go, instead of thinking, they go, thank God, thank you for answering this prayer. Even though they, they, make, they make you think like they are going to think about it and see if they can consider. They, they consider you since before you ever said anything. But now they go and act like they are praying about it. Meanwhile, they are taking them to thank the Lord and give testimony about what God is doing. So in this case, the Bible says the love we have for God is because God loves us first. So we can never love God because God is not just loving. God is love. It is one thing to love. It is one thing to be loved. So God is not just loving. God himself is love. God is the embodiment of love. God is the personification of love. God is love manifested. Hallelujah. The Bible says God became flesh, manifests his love in the form of Jesus Christ to die for us. So as we think about love, let us always remember that God loved us first. Hallelujah. In verse number 20, it says, whoever claims to love God. Now this sentence is very powerful because today everybody claims to love God. Do you know that the jihadist who put a bomb on himself or herself to jump into the church or to jump into the mosque or to kill people in a crowd thinks they are doing that for the love of God? They think that by killing people, they are loving God. So everybody claims to love God. 
the critic I saw a pastor who on his pulpit was preaching against another man of God, talking about his marriage, talking about his ministry, and he ended up saying, I'm just doing this for the love of God. How are you in the love of God, slandering on that man of God, bringing down their reputation and their ministry, and they claim to love God? You know, everyone claims to love God. You see a situation where maybe a sister or a brother is doing something that is not right. And you try to correct me. Say, don't correct me. Don't judge me because you don't know my love for God. You don't know my heart. The Bible clearly says, by their fruits, we shall know them. I don't need to do an x-ray to know whether your heart is blue or your heart is green. By your actions, I can tell if you love God or not. Hallelujah. So when people talk about don't judge me because you don't know my heart. We look at your actions. The only way I know that the banana is ripe is when it's yellow. If it's green, I know that banana is not ready to be eaten. So don't tell me, don't, don't tell me that because you see me, I'm green, I'm ripe. No. If you are green, you are not ripe. So I judge your, your heart based on your actions. So everybody claims these days to be a lover of God. The Bible says, yet if they hate their sister or brother, they are liars. How many liars do we have today in the church? How many liars do we have today in the world? I want you to turn to somebody on your side. Tell the person, tell the truth, do you love me? Tell the person, say, tell the truth, do you love me? Look at the person, say, tell me the truth, do you love me? Tell me the truth. And tell the person again, if you love me, please show it. Tell the person, if you love me, please show it. Please show it. The Bible says, whoever claims to love their brother or sister, and whoever claims to love God and does not love their brother or sister is a liar. And you know what the Bible says about liar? The Bible says, all liars shall find themselves in hell fire. That burns with brimstone and sulfur. The Bible also says, the devil is the father of all liars. So if you claim to love God, and then you hate your brothers and sisters, the Bible says you're a liar. In verse 21, it says, God, has given us this command. He says, anyone who loves God must also love their brothers and sisters. Now, most people think that the only commandments we have in the Bible are the Ten Commandments. In the New Testament, there are 1,050 commandments given to New Testament believers to follow beside the Ten Commandments. 1,050. So, when we say, thou shalt not lie, most people take that very seriously. Thou shall not commit adultery. Most people take that very seriously. But we don't know that. Like the scripture we just read is a commandment. It says, whoever claims the love of God, it said they must. Not like you can. You must love your brother and sister. How many of you know that coming to church is a command? Do you know that coming to church is a command? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25. Do not forsake the assembly of yourself together. So, when you stay in the house, I'm just going to watch the TV online. You are living in sin. You are disobeying God. Like people say, well, I'm just going to watch church online. There's nothing like online church. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together. So do not just look at the Ten Commandments. Think about all the other things that God is expecting us to do. Hallelujah. Now, somebody must be asking me, Pastor, I love my wife. I love my husband. I love my kids, I love my brothers and sisters, my cousins, my nephews. I try to help them, I send money back home on their need. Why are you asking me to love brothers and sisters in the church? To love 
somebody I don't know, to love somebody from Ghana, from Ivory Coast, from Senegal. We don't have nothing in common. Why are you expecting me to love these people? There are three things I'm going to give you to love them. Number one, loving your brother and sister is the only way you can validate your claim to love God. Like the Bible says. The only way you can validate that I love the law is when you love your brothers and sisters. May I submit to you that I don't need help to love my son. It's natural. It came out of me. There is a natural attachment between me and that boy. So I don't need help to love that boy. So the reason why the Bible will give a command for us to love our brothers and sisters is because it's not natural. That is why it's a command. Anything in the Bible that is natural never comes to the command. Anything that God sees that it will be an obstacle for us to do comes to the command because the command helps us enforce what God wants us to do. Hallelujah. The only way you can prove that you love, your, you love God is by loving your brothers and sisters. So I say this quote, which is worthy of tweeting. A man in love with God is a man in love with his brothers and sisters. May I say that again? A man in love with God is a man in love with his brothers and sisters. So don't tell me you love God, but you don't love your brothers and sisters. Because a man in love with God is a man in love with his brothers and sisters. In 1 John chapter 4, if you read verse 11 and 12, the same text where we read. It says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It says, No one has seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So the only way we can prove to people that we love God is if we love one another. And it is key because, like I said, in this text, when the Bible was talking about brotherly love, he was talking about love between brothers and sisters in the church. That is why when it comes even to doing good, the Bible says do good especially to those of the household of faith. It means that God is laying emphasis that if you have to do good, that good must be done to your brothers and sisters in the church. Number two, why must I love my brothers and sisters? Your brother and sister is the God you see. May I say that again? Your brother and sister is the God that you see. It says, if you cannot love your brother and sister that you see, how can you love God that you don't see? In other words, loving a God that I don't see is loving my brother that I see. So your brother and sister is the God that you see. So don't claim to love an invisible God and ignore a man that is beside you. Because your brother and sister is the love, is the God that we see. Now if you read Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 1 to 3. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 1 to 3. The Bible talks about brotherly love. It says, let us not forsake brotherly love. Let us continue to love one another. It says, for some have entertained angels without knowing. Now ask myself, how many angels have you ignored? How many angels have you driven away without knowing? That is how much brotherly love is so important because God is never going to come. Listen, if God came one day to your house with angels shining, Maybe you open your room one day, you saw a man that is shining like a, like a, like a sun in your living room and say, my son, I am here. You will quickly say, my Lord, what can I do for you? You will be so quick. 
If he said, I need your salary, you will not argue, you will bring it up because you see God. But if a brother walked to your house in the cool of the evening and said, bro, I was going to Dumfries and I need $20 to pay Uber. Sometimes it takes the spirit of God for you to help that person. Because you don't think that that person you are helping can be God. Now remember in the Bible, when Jesus was talking to his uh, followers, he said something that was very powerful. He said, then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invited you in or needing clothes and clothed you? When did you, we see you sick in prison and visited you? Then he said, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of these of brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Hallelujah. You did it for me. So God is saying, don't think that by you doing, raising your hands in the church and closing your eyes and twisting your face and say, oh, how much I love God. It's going to make me feel like you love me. No. If you ignore the brother on your side that has a need and think you can raise your hands to me and sing and praise and worship and claim you love me, say, that is faith. The only way I would know that you love me is if you love the brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. So like I said, your brother and sister is the God that you see. Is the God that you see. Number three, why we must love our brothers and sisters. It is a command. It is a command and not an option. Now if you read verse 21 of the text, it says, whoever claims to love God, it says must. It does not say may or will. It says must. It means it is something that you do by obligation. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, loving me is not a choice, it's a command. <laughs> Look at somebody, tell the person, loving me is not a choice, it's a command. Loving me is not an option, it's a command. Now tell that person, you have to love me whether you like it or not. Tell that person, tell that person, you have to love me whether you like it or not. Whether you like my color or not, you have to love me. Whether you like my height or not, you have to love me. Amen. You have to love me. It's a command. Like I said, if we truly love God, we will keep his commandments. That's what Jesus said to Peter. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And if you are truly a follower of Christ, you will truly keep the commandments that God has asked us to keep. Hallelujah. It is not an option, like I said. It is a command. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 35, He said, by this will everyone know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The only way people are going to know that you follow me is if you love one another. So brotherly love was a big deal. So it's a command. It's not something you do by option, something you do because you feel, or something you do because you want. It's a command. Now to go forward, I'm going to give you practical ways in which we love our brothers and sisters. Like I said before, it is easy to love our natural blood brothers and sisters. Take for example, if I give an instruction in this church, I say, there is a brother in this church now that lost his job, or maybe their company closed down, and now he's not able to pay his house rent, I will need 1200 to help that brother this evening. So I need people to give $100 so we can help that brother. 
Naturally speaking, some of us will have to pray and hear from the law before we give that $100. Right? And then in most cases, most of us will do our budget immediately in our heads. Because some of us are online accountants. We are able to put everything together in a second. And say, oh, the rent is due. The, house, the mortgage is due. The water bill is due. The car note is due. And oh, the only thing I have left is $60. And then I have this contribution in the family meeting that I have to give $50. So the only thing is left is $20. They will come and say, well, bro, I'm sorry. You know, I only have, I have just $20. But while leaving the church, your phone rings in the parking lot. And your cousins, brothers, friends, uncle in the village in Cameroon or whatever place you come from, call to you and say, I'm right now in the hospital. And the doctor says, if I don't give $300, I'm there. There will not pray for that incident. You go straight to your credit card and swipe it because you're trying to rescue a family member. Like I said, it is natural to respond to blood than to respond to people that we don't know. That is what the Bible says. It is a must if we have to love our brothers and sisters. We have to be intentional about it. Amen. It is easy to say, well, bro, I'm praying for you. Oh, bro, hey, what happened? I'm really praying for you. Oh, sorry. Oh, hey, yeah. Uh, mm. That's the love we show to our brothers and sisters. Oh, I heard about it. Mm. I heard about it, bro. Mm. May the Lord strengthen you. We are praying for you. And for the most part, let me tell you this here. 90% of Christians who say I'm praying for you don't pray for you. They don't. Like our president always say on the TV, our, our prayers are with you. Like, Does he really take time to pray for anybody? Okay? Our prayers are with you. I'm like, people just say slogans and say things that they don't mean. And that is why anytime somebody says, Pastor, pray for me, even if I don't pray for them directly, the moment I drop that, I pray right away. Because even if I don't, even if I, don't for, I remember to pray, I'll pray for them already. Hallelujah. Most people say, I'm praying for you, but they are not praying. So we have to be intentional about loving our brothers and sisters. I'm going to give you a few instances about to help us see how we can practically love our brothers and sisters. Number one is visits. I'm not talking about unnecessary visits. Because I used to have those kind of visits where somebody knock at your door at 9 p.m. in the evening. I say, hey, bro, how are you fine? I just was passing by and I just came to say hi. He said, oh, thank you so much for thinking about me. You see, you're looking at the time 10, the brother is not going. 11, 30, they're not going. It's almost like you have to tell him, bro, you have to leave. That's not the kind of visit I'm talking about. I'm talking about visit like somebody was sick, somebody had a trouble, you can pay them a visit to show them that you are concerned. It's easy to take your phone and say, hey, I heard about it. But when you come in person, it communicates a different message. Hallelujah. Visits. It's powerful. Number two, contributing towards contributing to help a brother in need. Like I said, do you know that if we were supposed to do a contribution in this church for somebody, it is possible that people can give $5, $20, and whatever amount they want to give. But if you were going to give that money directly to that person, it won't, it won't be $20. Take, for example, this is what I noticed, and I'm, I'm saying this because it's not the event. Let's take, for example, Pastor's Appreciation Day. It is easy during those days for people to give $5 during, in the basket. But who in their right sense will give me $5 one-on-one? -on -one? Now, I'm asking you a question. It is easy if you are giving in a group, you feel like, because there's some people, like I said, who are accountants, they say, oh, if you are 15 of us in this church, 
and everybody gives 50, 50, 50. So the pastor is going to get, wow, $750. That's a lot of money. They don't give like they are responding to the situation one-on-one. They give based on the group where they belong to. So anytime we say we are contributing towards uh, the help of a brother and sister, don't give because you are in a group. Give because you are an individual trying to help that brother. Hallelujah. Like those of you who are in the membership classes, we have certain things we've decided to do. For example, if somebody dies, which I don't believe I'm going to perform any funeral for any young person in this church. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God has not come in to officiate funerals. God coming to do marriage blessings, child dedication, dedicating houses, dedicating cars, and things like that. I don't, I'm not here to bury any member of this church. If you eventually get old and you're going to glory, it's okay. But saying you're dying to leave your husband, a widow, or your wife, we are not there to officiate that kind of ministry. But let's say something happens. We have certain things we've decided to do as New Brick Christian Church. I will give a limit to that because one of the things I experienced in Cameroon when I was a pastor was that. When we started contributing to help people that were in need in church, their need never ends. This person showed us a pastor. My, my mother-in-law's cousin's friend died in the village. So they want the church to contribute. So it's like contribution never ends. So we have to give a bound to say the only people we contribute for is if a member dies or the member's mother or father or the member's siblings or children. That's what we end. If it's cousin's Father's cousins, neighbors, friend, we can personally one-on-one visit you. But when it comes to the responsibility that the, the, the church takes over you, it limits between your siblings, your parents, and your children. Hallelujah. So when those days come and we say, New breed, we are contributing because we are trying to help this person who was bereaved. That is when we know if you love or not. Don't come and tell me you're praying for me. And I'm about to go to Cameroon for a funeral. I say, Bro, I'm praying for you. No, they don't pray for flight, they don't pray to travel, they pay flight to travel. Hallelujah. We don't pray to enter a plane. You don't go to a different and say, ticket. No, you have to pay money. So your prayers don't help me. That time. I need money in this season. That is why they say a friend in need is a friend indeed. Don't tell me you're praying for me. Give me something to show you care. Hallelujah. Number three, attending events. Do you know that there are people that if their brother or sister or cousin had a baby shower in Delaware or something, they would take that day off to drive there because it's their family member. But if a brother or sister in the church had a baby shower down the street, they have an excuse. Oh, I have, I have something going because it's not a member of their family. So they don't see it as an obligation to be there. But in New Britain, we want to be family. That when I have an event going, I want to see my brothers and sisters in the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Attending events. Number four, inviting people, like I said. Don't just invite me when there is trouble. Or when somebody dies in your family, that's when you're like, Pastor, it does happen. No. When there's a celebration going on, we want to come and eat too. When there is pain, this thing is for better or for worse. <laughs> Hallelujah. This family relationship is for what? For better or for worse. Don't let call us for worse. Today, somebody has died. Today, somebody is going to divorce. Then that's where the pastor intervenes. Like one pastor said that when you guys move around as husband and wife eating soy, I never hear from you guys. It's when there is conflict in your house that my phone begins to ring. So, relationship should be for better or for worse. Invite us when there is celebration. Invite us when there, are, when there is food to eat. Don't just invite us when somebody dies or something as bad has happened. 
Number. I don't, I'm not even giving numbers to you. Praying. Praying is another thing. Do you know that if we give a prayer to people like, let's pray that as you leave this place today, God will bless you and God will increase you. Let's pray that no weapon form against you will prosper. You see people are praying, praying, oh God, bless me, bless me. But let us, say that, let us pray for this sister who has not been in church for the last two weeks. Yeah, pray like, Lord, help that sister. Help that sister. Help her, help her, help her, help her in Jesus' name. Their body dies because there is no love. Can you take a day off to pray for somebody? I mean, you're fasting. You just focus on praying for a sister or a brother. That is not about you. Amen. Praying for one another shows love. Number, I'm not thinking normal, like I said. Sharing our possessions. You know, I heard about a sister or somebody, I don't know if it's a sister, and they don't want 2,000 pairs of shoes. I'm like, if there are 365 days in a year and you have 2,000 pairs of shoes, it means that it takes you at least five Six years to wear all those shoes. And there's a brother in the church or a sister in the church that you've seen wearing the same pair of shoes from the time Abraham left the land of Chaldees. And it doesn't come to your mind that you can take one of those pair of shoes and give to that, that sister. To the point that the Lord has to speak to you, my daughter in your dream, help this brother or this sister. God has blessed us so we can become a blessing. Hallelujah. Now, when I was back in Cameroon, I had other pastors in my church who were like youth pastors, associate pastors. And one of the things that happened is that sometimes God will force you to bless people by force. I started growing, getting big out of my suit. So what happened is that as I'm growing big, the suits are transferring. We push it down. God is not calling us to amass wealth. That is what I said and I believe. That if you are truly a brother and a sister in the Lord, who has the love of God for God's people, there is no way you can say, I have 300 billion in my bank account. For what? Why are you amassing all this money for? Just so that you can go to the list of the richest people in the world and say, now I'm among Bill Gates. For what? God has blessed us so we can be a blessing to other people. Hallelujah. Not just about clothes. I know that some of us, when it comes to giving things like that, it's easy to give like the things you don't like. And then it always happens like when we are giving out things, we don't give her the things we, we really cherish. Like if you, maybe that's your Gucci shoe or your Gucci belt or your Versace, uh, uh, or your red bottom heels that you like. Even though you're not one of two, you can't get down because it's expensive. But that shoe that you brought from Cameroon, that you bought from Bobby, that's what, oh, bro, you can take this, you can take this. I mean, giving means that you have to give something that you cherish, something that you love. Hallelujah. Sharing our possessions. Then number, number, the next direct financial assistance. What does that mean? It doesn't have to be church contribution for you to help somebody. You could see a brother and a sister in need and say, bro, I, I, I think you're struggling. Please take this just to help you give your assistance. Amen. Just to give you assistance. I mean, I've, I've had brothers and sisters who have shown me love in a way that I could never imagine. And one of those things my wife would know is that when we were getting married, the day we decided to get married, like officially get married, I don't know if I had 150,000 altogether. I mean, everything planned. The future and the past and the present was 150,000. But from that day forward, I started having calls from friends, some friends that I've not spoken to in a long time, some friends abroad. Oh, man, I've just sent 100,000. I mean, when I put everything that I spent together in a wedding, minus the physical things that we... People gain. 
was like 3.5 million. That is how much love that people showed me. Not 3.5 million dollars, CFA. <laughs> Hallelujah, don't get this twisted. It's not, it's not dollars, it's CFA, which is like $7,000. Because somebody may be listening to this man and say, this pastor spent $3.5 million in their wedding and he's preaching about the love of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. But that is how much I saw how people love me. I saw women in the church who went to their farms and harvested plantains and sowed to help me in my wedding. That was how much I saw how people love me. So don't wait and say, well, uh, we heard that sister has done this or done that. I'm waiting for the pastor to announce so that we can contribute. No, you can. We are going to do things as a church family, but you as a person represent yourself. And when you present yourself, don't just mark yourself present. Do something that you can remember for. Hallelujah. Like I said, there's a wedding going on. People are giving gifts. You go to maybe Bennington Gold Factory and buy some old gifts. Then you pass it in a big box. And there at the wedding, you are dancing all around. People are like, oh, maybe that's a flat screen TV. <laughs> Just to discover there's a set of hangers that you, you pass it in a, in a flat screen TV box. And you were dancing. Now the cameraman is so interested in you that they are following you around like to, to make sure this gift is seen and remember. Just to know that this was a set of hangers. Represent yourself with something you can be remembered for. Hallelujah. <laughs> and the next, like I said, is giving right home. It's easy. Somebody's in the church who doesn't have a car. You can drop them home. Sharing their pain, like we said. Help people in the time of pain. Listen, people always remember who helped them when they were, when they were struggling. Do you know that when you bless a rich man, they may not remember? Like, for example, you, you go give Donald Trump a gift for $100. The moment they take that thing, they give to their secretary. They don't, they don't even look at who gave that gift. But when somebody is struggling, that's when they remember whoever helped them. So remember people in their time of pain. Now, the last, I can keep going, but it's giving information that is profitable for people's welfare. For example, we are brothers and sisters. If I have an information that a job is hiring somewhere, and I know you are qualified. What do I do as a brother and sister? I put a message on the church group like, hey, anybody interested in this group, they are hiring at this place for $22 an hour. Please apply. But sometimes this is what happens. We are brothers and sisters in the church. We pray together. We are trusting God together for promotion. We have said that this year will be a year of expansion. The moment you get that information, you don't give to any brother or sister. You call your village brother, who is not even a Christian, and say, bro, apply then you come to church on Sunday, you're waving your hands, worshipping, oh, bro, I love you so much. But the information you hold that can change my life, you refuse to give it to me. Hallelujah. We need to share information. Like when there is something good somewhere, let your brothers know about it. Amen. Share this information. When there's an opportunity somewhere, let them know about it. And when we do these things, like I said, we want Newbridge to be a church where love is seen. Amen. Amen. Where love is seen. Can we imagine how it will be? I've seen this many times where a brother walks to another brother in church and says, bro, I, I was just praying yesterday and I was thinking about you. And so what is this? The, the Lord said you give you this car. Can we have love like that? Yes. I'm asking, can we have love like that? Yes. Because our love is like, we can give somebody help or some small need. 
Is it possible that you take one of your cards, like 2015, and give the keys to another person brought is a gift? I want us to get to that level. I want to believe. I don't need your faith. I want to believe that God is going to bless me as a pastor where I'll be giving cards to members of the church. Amen. The way you amen sounds like you're jealous of me. <laughs> I'm suspecting you now. I said, God is going to bless me to the point where I can give keys to members of the church. Amen. That's what I'm trying to get to. Where on a birthday like this, like we pray for Sister Evelyn, I say, Sister Evelyn, go to the parking lot. The pathfinder that is parked on the left is yours. Take that key. That's what we are driving to, to show practical love. Not love in words, love in action. Hallelujah. Let us love one another. Amen. Can we stand on our feet?